Hey everybody, it's Steph. This is a response to a question that's come up a number of times about the theory of opposites. And the reason that it comes up is people say, well, they quote the part of UPB, the free book, Universally Preferable Behavior, A Rational Proof of Secular Ethics. They quote the part of the book where I say that if an action is moral, then the opposite of that action must be immoral. And people have uh, a challenge with this, and uh, I can understand that. So let me go through my reasoning and add it to the list of things <laughs> for volume uh, for part two, or I guess the second edition of the book, which will be out in infinity time <laughs> whenever I get around to it. So... So this is my uh, my reasoning. Uh, always, uh, as always, of course, it's open to uh, to criticism and to question. But this is my thinking behind it. So, the opposite of sickness, the opposite of being sick, is not being cured. The opposite of being sick is being healthy. The opposite of having something stolen is not having it restored, not getting it back. The opposite of having something stolen is not having something given to you. The opposite of having something stolen is not having it stolen. The opposite of being raped is not seeing your rapist punished. Uh, the opposite of being raped is not lovemaking. The opposite of being raped is not being raped. Let me sort of tell you why I think this is the case. Well, first, if we accept the theory of opposites, and I think we kind of have to... Uh, Antonyms or opposites are kind of foundational. Whenever you set up something as UPB, say, or you set up something as the opposite of, of, of a positive uh, is, a, is a negative. The opposite of north is south. I think we can all understand that. And if the opposite of an immoral action is not a moral action, then we have a problem. Because what are you defining the immoral action relative to? Because if there are no good actions, there can be no evil actions. Because if there are only neutral and evil actions, then you're defining evil relative to neutral. But evil is relative to good. Evil is relative to virtue. Uh, south is not defined as the opposite of the center of the compass, but the opposite of the opposite direction, i.e. north. Uh, minus one is not the opposite of zero. It's just minus one from zero. And the reason we know that is that a neutral has no opposites. Right, so minus one cannot be the opposite of zero, because zero, ha what's the opposite of zero? I don't know, infinity? <laughs> it's hard to say, right? What's the opposite of the center of a compass? Well, there is no opposite from the center of a compass, because north and south and east and west are all equally distant, or opposed to, in a sense, or away from the center. So any one of them cannot be an opposite. So you can't have an opposite from a neutral. You can only have an opposite from a positive. A positive direction called north has the opposite called south. A positive number called one has the opposite called minus one. So, in the category of morality, we have virtue and we have vice. We have good and we have evil. And evil cannot be the opposite of a neutral action. It can only be the opposite of a good action. Now, let's take out our handy-dandy UPB Swiss blade and see what happens if we try to make a positive action, UPB, right? So if we say, well, the opposite of having my iPod stolen, which is immoral, it's, it's uh, evil to steal, the opposite of having my iPod stolen is having an iPod given to me, right? That's the opposite. Well, we immediately run into 
insurmountable, self-contradictory nonsense. Because, and of course I'm not talking about the people who are struggling with this issue, because it's a challenging issue, for sure. But uh, we immediately failed a coma test, right? A, a man in a coma can't be handing out people's... Uh, can't be handing out iPods to people, and therefore we failed the coma test, which is not proof positive, but it's a pretty <laughs> significant problem to overcome. So the opposite of having my iPod stolen can't be giving me an iPod. And the opposite, uh, I'm sorry, also because it's a positive action, then virtue is then uh, can only be attained by people with access to iPods, and virtue must be giving iPods to everyone, uh, which is uh, which is obviously impossible, and it's a zero-sum game, because even if you could manufacture iPods for the six billion people in the world, uh, it would take a long time, and why would it only be iPods? To give everybody everything would be then the opposite of stealing, and so if you wanted to be a good, you would give everybody everything, which is the opposite of stealing, which is, so it makes, it makes virtue impossible, right, for there to be a positive action. So it can't be the opposite. The opposite of stealing cannot be giving people stuff. Of course, the question is, how would you give people uh, in the world, how would you give everyone in the world an iPod? Well, you'd have to take resources from people to make those, so it would be both a rejection of and an affirmation of property rights to say that you must steal from people in order to make enough iPods to give to everybody, blah, 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 blah. I think we all understand that a positive action, uh, the opposite of stealing cannot be giving everybody uh, everything. Now, what about, can the opposite of stealing be restoring property to someone? In other words, uh, is, is, is uh, stealing is the vice and restoring property to someone is, is the virtue? Well, I don't think so, because what that means is that virtue is only possible after evil. In other words, something has to be stolen in order for us to have the virtuous action of restoring it to someone. And so evil creates Goodness. You can't have goodness unless someone steals first. In other words, the goodness then is derived from or dependent upon the evil action of theft. Oh, that can't be right. I mean, <laughs> that simply can't. That just, I mean, I'm going to go into all of the logic behind it, which we could if we really wanted to get boring and technical, but that's just plain not right. You, you can't have virtue dependent upon someone doing evil first. <laughs> it's just, that's, that's just crazy, right? That's just plain crazy. So, the opposite of theft is not giving people stuff. It's not restoring the property that was stolen. The opposite of theft is respect for property rights. Because respect for property rights means that not doing anything is a good thing. It means that it's not dependent upon people stealing, and it is the opposite, right? So, and we could go through the same thing, right? Like the opposite of rape uh, cannot be punishing the rapist, because then virtue, which is the opposite of the evil of rape, virtue is then dependent upon somebody raping someone first, and it can't be that lovemaking is the opposite, therefore virtue is only attainable uh, in 90-second bursts, followed by two-hour naps if you're over 40. And uh, therefore, since we can't be making love to everyone all the time, making love, which is virtuous, cannot be the opposite if we wish to achieve virtue of rape. So respect for the property rights of self-ownership around the genitalia would be pretty much a virtuous behavior in the realm of a rape. And murder and blah, blah, blah. We understand, right? So this is uh, this is why the... Sorry, horns. Just because some guy was not quite going fast enough off the green. So everybody thinks they're about to get creamed by a Mack truck. <laughs> Everyone who's hysterical like me. So this is what I mean when I say that if an action is virtuous, then its opposite must be evil. And if an action is evil, its opposite must be virtuous. 
and uh, that I think is uh, is important. Now, there are you know passive and active virtues, right? So, a respect for property rights is uh, pretty much passive. And you you stay home, right? You you handle only your own property, and you're okay. Um, and so there's that sort of passive virtue. Uh, there are more active virtues, such as uh, you know intervening when you see a child being abused or doing something courageous in terms of honesty or standing up for your beliefs and so on. Uh, and we can get into a further differentiation of those fabulously complicated and convoluted uh, issues. But uh, I just really wanted to talk about this theory of opposites and give it to you in a little bit more uh, detail so that hopefully it makes a smidgen more sense than it did before. And as always, of course, I welcome uh, criticisms and uh, comments and feedback. Thanks very much. All right, so let's talk a little bit more. This is a continuation of the difference between these positive, uh, these active and passive virtues. A fine young lady, I dare say, posted on the board a follow-up to my comments on a recent Sunday show about what you earn and what you don't earn. Things like intelligence or height, uh, to some degree looks, to some degree health. These are uh, accidental attributes. Certainly where you were born is an accidental attribute, both geographically and in terms of your family. And so it's important to uh, understand the difference between what is accidental and what is earned. And it's not completely black and white. I mean, obviously it's accidental where you're born and who you're born, the family you're born to is completely accidental. But there are some things that you have uh, earned and there are some things which you have earned which are hard, and there are some things which you have earned which are easy. So uh, I am quite good at first-person shooters on the computer because I have spent not an inconsiderable amount of time uh, playing them, both single-player and multiplayer. So I've, I've earned that, I guess, but it was uh, recreation. It was pleasure. I like the, um, I like the self-erasure, in a sense, the end of chattering that comes with such an intense and uh, immersive experience. It's a, it's a self-transcendation. <laughs> it's self-transcending to some degree, and I, I quite like that. And I have a bit of a chatterbox brain, and I like to pour external imaginary high-stakes stimuli on it. Uh, it balances out the inner promptings to some degree, and I, uh, I find it very relaxing and enjoyable. So I've earned that, but I'm not going to say that it was a tough thing to do. Uh, it was a pleasurable thing to do. I... Um, I've earned some things around FDR because some of this show is very hard to do and some of it is is scary uh, and emotionally difficult to do and some of it is easy and more fun and so uh, I am I've earned some of the stuff around this show and some of the stuff I have earned but it wasn't hard right I mean if if uh, it's not it's not it's not uh, hard to stay relatively slender if you love vegetables and you hate sweets um, it's, you know, relatively easy. Uh, whereas, of course, you've, if you love sweets and hate vegetables, but you switch your diet to become more healthy and lose weight, and you do it and you maintain it, then you've really earned it. Uh, both the, re- the results are the same in both cases, which, which is, I guess, more, uh, more slimming and, and better healthy body. A more slim and better healthy body. But one is hard to achieve because you love sweets and hate veggies, and the other is easy to achieve because you love veggies and hate sweets because you are, I don't know, a reptoid from the past or another galaxy. So I lost, um, I don't know, a little short, about 30 pounds over the last year, year and a half. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly thinner now than I've been any time since my, my teens. I'm 195 or so. And um, that, was, that was relatively hard. I had to cut out a lot of sugar. Um, I gave up meat more recently. And uh, so it was, uh, it was tough. That stuff is, uh, is all nice, uh, nice for me. 
and I up my exercise, which is a little easier. I like to exercise, but uh, uh, so I've earned that to some degree. Uh, so the di- and for me the big difference is right. So the, we're we're talking about the difference between passive virtue, which is I haven't strangled anyone today. Uh, that's it's good that you haven't strangled anyone today, but um, it's uh, <laughs> it doesn't exactly save the world, so to speak. Uh, passive virtues are inertia virtues, right? I mean, if you get the world in a good state and everyone is passively virtuous, then the world tends to stay in a pretty good state. But the only way the world is going to get to a good state is if people switch over from passive virtues to active virtues. Uh, of course, the the corollary of that is that you can you have to change your behavior quite a bit to lose weight, particularly when you're over 40. Your metabolism is sort of working against or your lack of metabolism. So it was quite a bit of effort for me to lose the weight, but it's been relatively easy for me to keep it off. And I can actually enjoy a little bit of sugar now, here and there. And so the only way that things change is through active virtues. And through those active virtues, you can get the world to a state where passive virtue will continue. Like if you lose weight and keep it off for a year, it's you know it's pretty hard to regain it. You'd really have to eat a lot or, or stop exercising or whatever to change it. So when we're talking about what you've really earned, uh, the things that I think you can be really proud of, I would put them into the active virtues that are hard. I think that's the stuff that is, right, there's, there's evil, which of course you self, self-toxifies, turns you against yourself and shatters your uh, contentment and turns you into a machine of destruction. Uh, so we're not even going to talk about that. There are the, um, the passive virtues, which do not accru- they don't contribute to negative self-esteem, but they don't raise positive self-esteem. I.e., you can't say I'm a really moral person because I haven't strangled a homeless guy today. Today, at least, right? We all understand that it's really hard to have self-esteem because you haven't uh, put a cat uh, in the river in a bag. So, in order to gain self-esteem, in order to have things that are proud, you're proud of. I don't think you could also say to yourself that I'm very proud of what I have earned that was enjoyable and fun. I don't think that you can really uh, I don't think you can really say that with any real credibility with yourself. I think the things that are genuinely yours that accrue to self-esteem are the things that you have earned that are hard. And for me, I was thinking about this quite hard this morning. I can't for the life of me think of I can't think of anything other than courage as the fundamental yardstick or propulsion of self-esteem. So it's it's hard. It's hard. So, I mean, just to take a, a, a relatively minor example. So, uh, in the call-in show yesterday, it's the 21st, I think, of August. So, yesterday's 20, uh, uh, Sunday show. Uh, a listener was uh, not being forthright with me. And I, I don't mean that he was lying. I just think that he was used to not talking about something. And uh, I said to him, I said, I don't think you're telling me the truth. Now, that's not easy. It's not easy to say that to a guy who is uh, asking for help and uh, who's being relatively vulnerable, but uh, he simply wasn't giving me the information that was necessary uh, to form a uh, useful, uh, if uh, albeit (laughs) amateurish and tentative, conclusion. Uh, I don't like doing that, and uh, I don't like calling listeners, uh, I don't like accusing them of dissembling, however unconsciously, but but I did that, and because I did that, I think uh, largely because I did that, uh, he then talked about something that was directly relevant to his topic, and we were able to make significant progress. But it's not an easy thing to do. Sometimes when I'm doing stuff that is uh, provocative to to people, particularly to long-term listeners, particularly to donators, hey, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. And so the things that I have courage uh, for, that I need courage for, because they're hard to do, you know, like confronting a parent who's mistreating a child, confronting anyone who's mistreating anyone, that is a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. 
and uh, putting out. I mean, I I really want to, you know, philosophy to be uh, more more assertive, even to the point of being aggressive and taking back, particularly with these self detonating statements. And I was just working last night on the script for the determinism one. I really want philosophy to go a little bit more for the jugular because I'm tired of it getting its ass kicked all these years. And that's a scary thing to do because when you when you get aggressive with philosophy, uh, people react very strongly. And uh, I don't think I don't think there's any other way. Uh, other philosophers, if they want, can try the last 2,500 years Socratic passive aggressive oh really approach to philosophy. I'm sick and tired of that, and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go for the jugular with philosophy. That provokes a lot of anger and a lot of hostility and a lot of resistance. And I read most of the YouTube comments that float into my inbox uh, because I kind of want to get a sense of where people are. And it's not easy. It's not easy to put out stuff that is vulnerable. It's not easy to put out podcasts where I may be emotional or, or angry or crying or something like that. It's uh, it's difficult for uh, for people. So those things I can take pride in. Uh, the, the work that I did in confronting my own demons uh, through therapy, the work on self-knowledge, uh, the, the the courage that I think that I have in terms of uh, helping keeping uh, helping to keep the debate within this community uh, civilized uh, or at least positive or at least useful or at least not abusive let's let's go with that these things are all uh, difficult uh, difficult things to do they're hard they require courage and so it is out of those decisions and actions right because whenever we face something that's frightening our first my first impulse is to turn away to recoil to find something else to do and then to justify it after the fact but i have to sort of stop myself and say no 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 with reference to your values not with reference to your reactions with reference to your values right with reference to my reactions i'd be eating cheesecake all day <laughs> i didn't have gained another 30 pounds and not lost them so uh, with reference to my values i want to lose weight not my impulses or re- reactions which is cheesecake equals yum yum <laughs> And so to, to, to pause and to say, how will I act in an ideal manner relative to my values? That provokes anxiety and, and fear and hostility and anger and stress. And, uh, so I grit my teeth and I do it anyway. Well, why do we need philosophy? Because philosophy helps us to do the things that in the moment we would rather avoid doing for the sake of future happiness. Like who likes going to the dentist? But we do it because we want to uh, continue to eat peanut brittle morning, noon and night. So I think those things are really important. Uh, what is your own? What is what is it that you can say is your own, that you've earned, that is uh, something that you can really base your self-esteem on? Well, it has to be something that's hard. It has to be something that you don't naturally want to do. It has to be something that is the right thing to do, a reference to UPB or, or, or rational values as a whole. It has to be something that is uh, is beneficial to, to the world, or at least those around you, or at least to yourself in the long run. And I would say that the more rare it is, the higher your self-esteem can be, right? So, you know, lots of people don't like going to the dentist, like just kind of don't like it, but they go uh, because of that, right? But I don't think it's, I don't think you can say I'm really proud of myself for going to the dentist. Now, if you have a real phobia and you overcome that phobia, then I say yes and yay. Uh, You should uh, be really happy and proud uh, about that because you have uh, overcome a significant obstacle. But I think that you really need to focus on what you have overcome that was really hard and that was really virtuous. That, I think, is where the real, that's where real identity and self-esteem comes from. And if you don't have any of those things, well, by God, my friend, my friends, my boon companions, might I strongly suggest finding some.